Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Welcome to another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. I am really excited for today's guest because we're going to talk about something that I really, really love, which is Lego, but not just Lego in the sense of the blocks, but really expanding beyond that to some bigger concepts that we are all grappling with, whether we're in education or in business or parenting or just personal life, um, working through how do we take some of these abstract thoughts and ideas and make them tangible to put in the action. And so part of this conversation will involve Lego, which I'm really excited about, but maybe in ways we haven't always thought about and many ideas beyond. And I'm really excited for this guest today uh, because she was the one that helped facilitate a workshop of mine through the Lego Serious Play learning and figuring out how all that stuff went on. I got to do that during COVID. Um, and so I'm really excited now to be connected with her again to further my learning. Um, so I'm looking at this as uh, some free learning opportunity for myself as well as benefits to all you listeners today. So my guest today is Mia. Mia, how are you doing? And maybe for the, the get going here with the guest, because um, maybe a lot of people are not familiar with what I'm talking about right now, but who are you? What do you do? And what in the world do you got going on? Well, thank you, Aaron. Uh, it's great to see you again. And thank you for having me. Um, who am I? Well, gosh, I do a lot of things, I guess, professionally. I would call myself an executive coach. I mean, I am a credentialed coach. I am a facilitator and I'm also a trainer. So I try to pass on the skills that I have in using Lego Serious Play to other facilitators and soon professional coaches in our newest training program. I love that. And so you you wear a lot of hats. They all kind of fit in this bigger umbrella universe. But, you know, we don't just wake up one day and boom, here we are. And so I've been asking the guest uh, uh, recently this kind of question that stems from, well, People can't see it, but you can see my all my Spider-Man gear on the back here. You know, what's your what's your origin story? How did you get into this line of work or how did you get to like where you are today? Knowing that's never our final destination. But I think this piece that I've shared time and time again with the last couple of guests, it really, I think, opens up a perspective to why people are doing what they're doing. And so I know that could be the whole podcast itself, but what's kind of your your roadmap to how you've got to this point where you're 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 helping people with coaching and lead professional learning and Lego serious play and and, and all of these different hats that you wear? Well, as I progressed through my career, probably for I don't know, 15 years, um, you know, following a, a pretty typical career path, seeing that I wanted to uh, move into a new area, into a new role. I just continued on my own learning journey. And then I had a pivotal moment uh, or maybe a pivotal experience in my personal life where I went from being a sort of average person, not in a bad way, I'm not judging myself, <laughs> um, but to becoming a very active, a physically active person climbing mountains. And 
I think one of the things that I realized in that experience was that it wasn't always just about the knowledge or even the skills. A lot of my transformation was about changing my mindset, seeing myself in a different way. And uh, by doing that, it allowed me or enabled me to take new information. So in this case, it was how to train to climb a mountain. Uh, and it enabled me to reach a goal that I probably thought was out of my reach um, until then only because I could take this knowledge and apply it in a totally different way. So really just, it was a, it was just a massive mindset shift that happened. And I think it got me thinking about how individuals and teams and really organizations also transform themselves. The thing that was stopping them wasn't a lack of knowledge. It wasn't, we don't know what the steps are, or I don't know what the steps are. It was changing their mindset, right? And being able to then apply all of that information that is available to us all the time. And so that got me curious about uh, different methods to do that. So uh, thinking about coaching, you know, coaching an individual um, really is about helping that individual uncover what their tools and resources are. How do they change their mindset? How do they now apply all of the information that's available to them to achieve their goals? Similarly, uh, you know, at a, a team or organizational level, uh, thinking about, you know, how, how do we change the way we see ourselves in order to uh, be able to apply all of the tools and techniques and information that we have at our disposal. So just um, really, I would say, uh, if I had to sum it up in a nutshell, you know, it is just the the transformation of, of the individual uh, team, organization, community, whatever, and, you know, what it takes for them to be able to, to do that. Um, so that's, that's how I got here. And, uh, you know, coaching is a great way to do that. Facilitation is really discovering the wisdom that exists in that group or team, um, and helping them change their minds and apply that wisdom or knowledge or information. No, I love that. And there's so much there that I want to dive into. You hit some really key concepts that I think are are really critical, I think, to the conversation that I want to have with you. But I did not know that part about you, about climbing mountains. So I, I am curious, you know, how did you get into that where you're like, I I want to climb a mountain. So there's that. And I'm going to, I'm going to stack another question on there because I know it's, it's really good etiquette just to hammer people with a bunch of questions. And then, but I also am curious in that same kind of note, what's your favorite or most proudest uh, mountain that you've climbed? So I, on a whim, I was reading a magazine. This was back uh, when I lived in California and um, I saw an ad for the breast cancer fund. So a U.S. based organization they were doing a uh, climb of Mount Shasta, which is also in California. And they were taking amateurs. They wanted people who were going to raise money and awareness for this organization. And it was a little bit 
uh, on a whim and and maybe it was a serendipitous sort of conversation magazine open I worked for the CEO of a company that was uh, then based in California and he came in and he said oh what's this uh, he was a very active person himself um, he said what's this and I said oh nothing you know I could never climb a mountain I'm I'm a city girl and uh, you know Mount Shasta is over 14,000 feet high and he said, um, but what if you believed that you could? Do you think that you could do mm. it then? And so it was such a simple question. And I, you know, so in that moment, I just kind of sat with that belief for a moment, you know, it's like tried it on as if it was a jacket or a dress or something and said, oh, what if I did believe that I could do that? And that really started me off down that path of, well, if I believed that I could climb the mountain, I would probably do this. I would think about what kind of training. And if I believed I could climb the mountain, I would uh, probably ask people in my life to support me. And, you know, so it was just the what if you did believe that or could believe that question? And so, I, you know, I say this is a pretty typical is it was simple. It wasn't easy uh, because then holding on to that belief is is work in and of itself. Um, but I held on to that belief long enough, played it through in different scenarios, uh, and then adopted that as my new belief about myself. And, you know, uh, so um, that's how I climbed my first mountain was uh, <laughs> and it was a transformational experience for sure. I can only imagine. And so we talk about that mindset and we talk about changing mindset and we know that is such a critical piece. And for so many people, I'm looking at myself included and just my own personal journeys of like health and fitness, my own personal journeys and professional. I see the work when I work with other administrators and instructional coaches and teachers, and you do the same thing with all the different realms of people that you work with, depending on how they come in contact through you, through your various hats that you wear. So we think about the learning piece of, let me rephrase it. So we think about this idea of the belief that you just talked about, which I think is the catalyst to so much, but then there's this other element of learning and I think for where I want to go with the next steps of this conversation, maybe we'd need to define learning a little bit because you could have, I'm sure you did, you read or watched a ton of different books, articles, videos on how to climb a mountain. And you can have all that insight, but it's another thing to be able to apply it. And I think sometimes there's this, not a misconception, but there's a, a a misperceived notion of what maybe like the finish line is not there's ever really a finish line in the learning where like, okay, I've read this book. I've, I like a few quotes and that's it. Therefore, how's come the system hasn't changed. So could we t unpack that a little bit? I know I just threw in a lot of ideas there, this idea of learning and whether that's connected back to your mountain experience or with the work that you do now, you know, helping people learn and then move into that application because I think that's where the mindset starts to shift, but you got to, I think also have a little bit of belief I and mean, it's kind of like a, a chaotic swirl of a whole bunch of variables that kind of have to intersect and, and interlock as, as we navigate these journeys. This is, uh, I, I can confidently say my favorite thing to talk about <laughs> because 
uh, it comes up in coaching. It comes up uh, if I'm facilitating a team that is working through, uh, say, team dynamics. Uh, it comes up in my leadership development programs. And it is probably the hardest step for people to take, which is applying those insights to action. Uh, so if I go back to my example, uh, I was and I still am to some extent when I don't catch it, the person who thought I, I can climb this mountain and I got a lot of books on mountain climbing and how to train <laughs> for mountains. And then I quickly and very painfully learned that uh, reading and believing those steps to training do not mean that you have now done any kind of conditioning. So first, uh, so, you know, I mean, I was doing a little bit of training, but I think I was reading so much, listening to all of the advice, talking to lots of people, uh, but only a fraction of that time was spent on the application of all of those amazing tips and knowledge and, uh, you know, skills that people were sharing with me. And uh, we went to the first, um, you know, sort of training hike. And uh, it was painful. I mean, it was physically painful, as you can imagine. <laughs> you know, you have to train to to carry 45 pounds. Um and, you know, because I had gone from going to the gym once a week to going to the gym three times a week, I thought, you know, I've really developed these skills. Um, but that was just the tip of the iceberg. And I went to this uh, first training hike and got wrecked. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I could walk for a week. Um, I think getting dressed was really uncomfortable. And, and I think that was the first time that I realized that taking in information is not the same as, as learning. It is a, it is a part of learning. Absolutely. Uh, to take in information that was previously maybe invisible or inaccessible to us uh, is a part of it, but it is not all of it. And it's not the hardest part of it for sure. So I see this all the time in the, the work that I do where, uh, you know, people want a book to read or they want to listen to me talk or, um, you know, they're even happy to talk to each other. But what happens, um, you know, when they leave that safe space and go out into the world and have to now create a step, an action, uh, something that, that that has been informed by that new information, that is the hardest part. Some won't even get to the step. Some will get to the step and then say, okay, now I've done it. I now know how to do that. Um, and so, I, you know, I think uh, becoming clearer on the definition of learning, particularly as an adult, and how that is different from when we were kids, uh, is is a really important part of this. Yeah, uh, you you hit on a key piece there too, as you were talking about the learning, and you know you read the stuff, and you talked about how you got wrecked on your first kind of training. It reminds me of back in the days when I had hair, and I would do like half <laughs> Ironmans and a lot of um, different types of triathlon training. I would read all the things, and then one of the stuff that I would learn 
often the hard way was like uh, you have to apply it to go go see what happens. And time and time again, I could read from the experts. I could read from this, that, or the other. It wouldn't work necessarily as they talked about it. So there's that personalized approach that only you can figure out by doing. And I remember I would have to like, especially like with nutrition, like my body operates different than, you know, some of these professional triathletes that are, you know, a hundred pounds and, you know, can swim like a fish and things like that versus my kind of frame. And so that application of learning, I think is vital and sometimes it can be almost like an, uh, whether it's intentional or not, an excuse barrier to actually move into action. I got to do all this learning and research. I can have all the research first. We got to do the book study first. We got to we got to do the thing. We got to bring the speaker, and we got and all it does is kind of stall. It's it's a stall tactic, whether that's on purpose or fear or whatever. It be I, I see that happen a lot. And so as you're doing this work. And maybe this is where stuff like Lego serious play really comes into action. How do you, or how have you found success with helping people do the learning, which is important. You got to have a foundation of, of some insights to work with and then start to merge that into the experimentation, the action phase to find out what works. Because I think as you said, it's the hardest spot. I completely agree. People want the information. They will learn it. They'll be appreciative of it. And then it sits. Um, and I don't think it's because they're being rude or any of that kind of stuff. There's something going on. So how have you found success through Lego Serious Play, maybe other methods to help people nudge into that that action phase as a as a facilitator? So uh, two key things. Um, one is helping them envision what that small step could be. And, uh, you know, so if I'm coaching without Lego Serious Play, uh, then, you know, we would talk about, uh, you know, what is one small step uh, that will get you closer to where it is that you want to be? What is, you know, is it a question you would ask or, uh, you know, maybe it's an action or it's a behavior? Um, you know, they would get to describe what it is uh, that will start moving them toward that goal. The other thing is also um, developing a positive emotional um, attachment to that, right? So talking about what will that be like when you do that one thing? So let's say, you know, in leadership development, it might be, um, you know, if they're a, working on um, giving feedback to someone. Uh, they would envision what it's going to be like, what kinds of things they would say. So what's what's the first thing that you want to go and practice? Uh, so maybe the first thing that they want to practice is they want to open their feedback conversation with a statement of intent. Aaron, my intent here is to give you everything that you need to be successful. I want to offer you some feedback that is going to help you achieve your goals, right? So they've now decided, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to practice that uh, intent. So now we uh, layer on the emotional um, the emotional. Uh, attachment to it. And, you know, so what's that going to mean for you? If you walk in and you start that feedback conversation with Aaron, and you lay down this intent that you have, 
No, so they would start to imagine, well, I'll feel really good, like I'm being transparent, and that's aligned with my values. And I'm setting the other person up, I'm setting Aaron up to have a positive experience, and to feel like they're safe, and like I'm invested in their development, and right, like all the things. And so I think those two things, you know, what's the one step? Because if you're working on your feedback skills, I probably wouldn't talk to you about all the things that you need to improve in those feedback skills, but starting with that one thing of, I'm going to open my next feedback conversation with a statement of intent, right? So one step they're going to practice and what is the benefit going to be for them in terms of the emotional benefit. So I think those two things, and as you can imagine, using Lego Serious Play to do that as well is, I mean, it just takes it to the next level. Because now instead of asking you, Aaron, what's the first thing you're going to do? Let's talk about what one step would look like. It's build a model to show the one step that you're going to take, right? Or if they say, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to have a really clear intent statement at the beginning, then build a model of you uh, presenting your statement of intent at the beginning of that feedback, right? So now they build a model. And as you know, uh, they attach meaning to that, right? So there's a brick that represents um, the support that they're giving to the other person. There's a brick that represents the clarity of their intent. There's uh, you know, a brick that represents um, serving others, because that's what, you know, this person believes feedback is meant to do. So now they have a an artifact of that first step, and it is so much clearer for them. And in some cases, people will take that model as a reminder of this is the one thing I'm going to do. And now that is moving me into action, right? I've, I've collected all the great information on how it's really good from, you know, the neuroscientists will tell us why this is great. But now I have this model of one action that I can follow through on. So as you're navigating that, facilitating that, this, this word has come up a couple of times and I, it's, as you're talking through this, I'm, I'm, I'm curious on your techniques or strategies because I'm thinking about a teacher in a classroom. I'm thinking about uh, maybe a, a coach in a PD day with a staff. I'm thinking about all the different types of admin capacities where they are trying to facilitate a building or a district and we're, they're all trying to work towards improvement. And I know your work is not education exclusive, but my world is for the most part. When you're facilitating and you're helping people craft that narrative whether they're building with lego or bringing that intention how are you or what's your thought process into the facilitation because we all are in places where not everybody is jumping out of bed doing cartwheels for the learning opportunities that exist now i know sometimes in some shape or form people sign up because they want to do the learning but there are times and places where people are voluntold or kids are resistant or adults are resistant. How do you navigate that as a facilitator? Because I think that is some of the most crucial key things for 
a lot of this work to happen. Yes, there's got to be this intrinsic motivation on the individual, but when we're in these spaces where we are being challenged to move into action or think about how to move into action, the facilitator can make or break a lot of those people that are kind of teeter-tottering on that fence of whether or not they want to participate or buy in. Um, and so what have you found? Because I think those are some key skills, no matter what we do or some things for us to maybe consider, you know, um, applying into our own perspective and, and occupations. First, I want to say I am not in education and my hat goes off to everyone who is <laughs> because I was a terrible student. <laughs> And the teachers who had me in their classrooms, they deserve medals. Uh, and so I, you know, and I know how challenging it can be to work with adults who don't necessarily, who haven't chosen to be there. It's uh, one of the things I think it's, it's one of the things we do wrong still in organizations where we, you know, tell people you must go to this program because it's the first thing Um it, not to make it about me, but it does make my job harder to try and overcome, you know, not only did the person not want to be there, but now they've been forced. So right, it's, right, it's right. a delicious cocktail of resistance. But <laughs> um, the kids, a whole other story, but uh, back to adults. So um, one of the things that I try to get at with people is what matters to you and is there any way that anything that we are talking about that we can connect it back to something that matters to you mm -hmm. so and leadership is such a funny space because you know i often talk uh with people in organizations about leadership small l leadership right it, it is your personal conduct every day and the context uh, may not be the one that you're thinking about. So you may come into a program thinking, oh, I must work on my leadership at work. I think, okay, yeah, that's probably a good place to start. But when people are resistant, uh, one of the things I try to open them up to is what context is meaningful to you? So uh, is there an area, whether that's in your community or in your family, in your friendships, uh, in, you know, at work, with peers, maybe it's with your boss, but where do these leadership concepts mean something to you? Where could you be more effective? Where could you bring people along? Uh, where could you uh, recruit people to your mission or enable them to achieve uh, collective results. So, so I think, you know, always trying to get them to imagine uh, there is a place in my world somewhere that this could be useful or meaningful. And uh, so, you know, try to listen to the, all of this and these opportunities uh, through that filter instead. It, you know, it doesn't only have to be uh, at work as a manager of a team of four people. Yeah, so we have these opportunities, whether we are resistant, whether we are over the moon excited, you know, there there comes a point where we also have to be grounded in the realities of these learning opportunities, whether that's a facilitated course or a PD or a workshop, 
self-driven learning, whatever it might be, you know, how do we help people also understand that that, that deeper learning isn't going to happen, say, in that magical two-hour window of time or the full day while that's stuff we always strive for? I also know that no matter how great the learning is, nothing in the world magically just shifts stuff overnight. We might have those aha moments that trigger us to start to think about changing patterns and behavior, but also not to downplay and say it's also not worth the time. You know, how do we balance that for people to get to that point of deeper learning and realize, you know, we're going to have some of these learning opportunities together, but we're not always going to reach that deeper learning because some of that is the onus on you. And then almost what we talked about earlier, that that application of the learning that we're gathering. How do you handle and navigate that? Because you, I mean, I, in the education space where things are very important for keeping teachers in the job and helping leaders lead to keep a good culture and obviously the well-being of students. And you work in this business world where at the end of the day, there is a bottom dollar. Businesses do have to stay afloat. There is things can be a little more cutthroat and I don't know all the business world, but there's a rhyme or reason to stuff. And so things do need to be successful or feel successful and, and see that. So how do you help people understand that piece? Because I think that gets lost, you know, like I said at the beginning, whether you are resistant to it and the flip side, maybe your company is super eager, excited as well. So I think in the beginning, certainly with the sponsor. So whoever is buying my services or who has decided that um, either a coaching program or a leadership development program, you know, so that they are clear on uh, the objective from that particular uh, intervention, we would call it. Um, and, uh, you know, so yes, I want to understand the overarching business objective, but, you know, trying to help the sponsor see that as an example, uh, you know, a team that has worked together, I had this recently, team that has worked together um, for the most part you know, over the last 15 years and people have come and gone, but the principles have remained the same. And um, they came to me and they said, we need a program uh, because the dynamics have just eroded to the uh, level that it's unproductive. We, it's quite toxic, actually. Um, and unfortunately, you know, over 15 years, uh, that has really taken root here. So can you come in and do a four-hour workshop and get us out of that? You know, and... and um, the conversation that I had to have was I can't undo in four hours something that has taken root over 15 years. Um, you know, the answer is not, not, unfortunately, no, we can't. So I understand that's the end goal. That's the outcome is that, but you, you know, you are going to have to take many steps. This is going to be a journey. And so what could we reasonably accomplish in four hours or, or how could we break that down so that it uh, wasn't just one four hour intervention, but then also being very clear and transparent with those participants. What do we want to accomplish in the four hours? And I will often tell people that this isn't the swimming pool. 
but this is the springboard, right? You know, when you leave here today, you will be ready to jump into the pool and you're going to try all sorts of different things to start to shift how you swim together. But this isn't the pool. You're going to still be on the diving board or you're still going to be, you know, on the deck uh, when you leave here. But you'll know what should you do first? Should you jump in and try the doggy paddle? Should you <laughs> jump in and immediately go to a side stroke? I, I don't know. Um, we'll have to figure that out together. But I, I think just being uh, clear and transparent with those individuals, it allows them to set their expectations and to some extent even take the pressure off. You know, we don't have to leave here in four hours thinking everyone's awesome and you know uh why were we being so silly for the last 15 years doing those crazy things to each other uh, but instead you'll leave here in four hours and say let's try one thing together to start to move us in a different direction so I think that that um, is, is a really important part, and that's in the design phase, is having those uh, quite difficult conversations um, to uh, become clear and aligned on what is possible and how we could accomplish that. Sometimes Lego Serious Play is the right method, sometimes it's not. Um, but, you know, what are those possibilities? Yeah, I mean, you, you keep coming back to that e idea there of that just being clear, having the set objective, and as much as we know that it, you know, it kind of comes back to to basic principles time and time again. And communication is clearly one of those. Uh, you know, we can have clear communication, make sure people at least on the same page with understanding of what the goals are, whether we agree or not. That does eliminate. 99% of any issues or problems, it's always going to be nothing's ever perfect. But as you're talking through that, where things kind of get lost in the mud is when it's not real clear, where we're not quite sure what it is we're supposed to be reaching towards or why we're here or what we're doing. I think that's where it kind of gets lost. But I, I really like how you touch upon just keeping it real. People appreciate the real, not always the overpromise. I think we live in a society where everything has to be hyped and overpromise, and it's going to do all the things and it's going to do it right now. And yep. it's just not always the case. And so just to be willing to say here, like you said, we're going to get yourself, you know, to the diving board, but we're not entering yet. I, I think I, I, I really, really like that, um, that, that visual and just that it's a, it's a sign of respect to the people um, because people are important and time is important. And, to respect that and i think just brings a lot of clarity that that people appreciate um in any work that we do no matter what what, what industry sector we're part of uh yeah and i think you have struck on a really important point which is to respect people and tell them all of this in advance so that they don't leave there thinking why do I feel broken or are we broken or why don't, why can't I do this? Or why, you know, I don't, I don't really feel any different. I still feel like it's hard to work with Sally, you know, and there must be something wrong with me if I haven't left here thinking Sally's the best person ever. And, um, you know, so I think 
showing them that uh, it's okay. And uh, what we want here is we want to try and find some meaning in a new way of doing things and finding meaning in a way that is going to get you committed to starting to shift your behavior or shift your mindset. But it's not going to be done at the end of four hours. And there's nothing wrong with you because um, because you haven't, you know, had this uh, remarkable, I'm a new person. I'm going to be the best teammate ever. All, right. You know? Yeah. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it just, it does remind me also, you know, I was thinking about this, um, you know, if I go back to Dewey um, and um, this theory of learning, uh, so I just want to pull out some of the phrases that always resonate with me, which is um, individuals learn and grow as a result of their experiences and interactions with the world. Mm -hmm. Individuals gain new concepts, ideas, practices, and understandings as a result of these encounters and experiences, which are then polished through the learner's life experiences and social relationships. And I think that that's so you know, that's the other thing that I try to um, establish with individuals and teams, which is we can give you a lot of that in the space where we are working together. But until you take that out into the world and start to apply it and see what the reaction is and think about it and, you know, see now what's happening um, in, in the real world, those concepts are, I hope, interesting. Um, and we can connect them to your values and your goals, which make you want to go and experiment. But for you to really learn it and learn new behaviors and learn a new way of doing things and learn a new pattern, you will have to leave the room. Or in this case, you will have to jump off the diving board. You will have to get into the pool. Yeah. And so if if we take that concept, and I love those quotes that you just provided by Dewey, it kind of sets up perfectly where I wanted to, to, to touch upon. And we help people, again, think about these ideas in new ways and not that every answer can be solved through lego but let's take the lego series play we, we touched upon it a little bit earlier and i know there's lots of different methods to all the work that you're, you've talked about today but one of the things that i i find value in and i use lego all the time whether i'm working with students or a pd with teachers or even admin um it, it there's there's something that happens with that that tangible concept of making an idea um, where I think it breaks the mold, especially in education where we do a lot of PD or learning with chart paper and post-it notes. And I use that all the time. My walls, I've got eight chart papers on my wall. So I'm not like saying that's bad, mm -hmm. but we have these same structures we use over and over again. And I like to bring in the Lego to shake things up and it just makes the learning visible. Uh, but there are adults that will question it. They will question the methods or why are we doing this? Or this is childish or, you know, they can't see it right away. 
so we're talking about all of these critical concepts that we're just talking about right now and helping them build into follow-up habits and routines and maybe new structures and protocols. You know, how, how do you work with that? Because I'm assuming whether I feel that in the education space, I know you probably feel that same kind of resistance with people in the business space. Uh, not all of them, but they're there. Um, you know, how have you navigated that? Um, because I also see on the flip side, the reason I'm bringing this up is I also see how quickly the aha moments come to be where the pressure is off of them, but it's on the build and people start to see what is, uh, you know, a bundle of bricks. They don't look like much. And all of a sudden someone tells a story behind it and people are just enamored and they're leaned in and they're laughing and they're engaged. I so saw, I, I know what happens, but there is that initial part of that that comes with that so can you talk a little bit whether it's about the negative thing or just the power of using lego to work through some of these murky topics you know like leadership or how do we communicate or relationships between colleagues when maybe we don't like each other but we still have a job to do uh, what, what have you found um, through your experience so i think um one thing that I've realized, um, so I've been very fortunate that I've had very few people who've been um, maybe candid about thinking, you know, that, oh, this is, you know, what are we doing? This is a waste of time. Um, but, you know, you can usually spot them by their body language and always ask, is there anyone who's not so sure about what we're doing here and you know occasionally you get the brave soul who says uh yeah i don't really understand like how are you actually going to get us to some meaningful <laughs> conclusions here uh you know we all find our own language for how about 45 minutes and uh just see what happens if this is new to you Let's just see what happens at the end of the 45 minutes, which is usually the first break. Uh, you know, I say, if you can just uh, give it a go for 45 minutes, I'll buy a coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's me being funny. Um, and uh, usually people will overcome it because what they realize in that first 45 minutes when we do the skills build is that there really is no judgment and um often what people will say is uh doubt about the method is often doubt about themselves yes. uh, particularly in oh yeah as adults uh, we feel like we should have the right answers we don't want to look silly and you know and i will also share my own personal experience uh being trained by Sean Blair to use Lego Serious Play uh, was a bit outside my comfort zone. The very first skills build, uh, at that time it was build a duck and I thought, oh, he's going to judge me. Uh, and I remember feeling very hesitant myself, even in the training. And then as soon as Sean said, okay, you know, like your answer is your answer. There is no right or wrong here. And so I think, you know, I was able to push through that and I realized immediately that I, I wasn't really questioning the method. I was questioning myself, you know, is this, is this person going to see me as any less of a credible professional if I don't have this amazing answer? So I think similarly, um, you know, in uh, development, and we see this all the time in leadership development, 
where people are a bit hesitant at first for the same reasons. It's hard to admit that you don't know something. And now we start talking about topics that are making people uncomfortable, self-awareness, accountability. We're asking them to go deeper, further with a concept, and they don't know. So instead of saying, I don't know, and I feel like there's so much for me to learn here, uh, they say, this is silly. This is like, why are we doing this? Of course, like I'm, you, you name it, I'm the director of such and such. Of course, I'm a good leader. I don't even know why I'm here. So I think, you know, with Lego Serious Play, as the facilitator, just recognizing uh, that people bring their stuff to the room and how can you create a space where it's safe for them to play through all of those concerns and have those concerns uh, knocked down, if you will, you know, where they see, oh, I'm not being judged. And oh, my colleagues are interested in this, this model that I've built of this metaphor. And it really can mean anything. I've stuck, you know, four bricks together. And I told a story about what cats think. And if you've done our training, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, and people were interested. People asked, uh, oh, wow, that's what cats think. Okay. Does that blue brick, did you, does that mean anything in particular? No, nope, you know, and now we're listening to each other. And, and so I think, uh, you know, if we can just help people get past that initial phase, um, and uh, and certainly, whether it's Lego series play or just leadership development, not judging those uh, those um, maybe those speed bumps that people hit in the process, and just accepting it and trying to come at it from a different angle to see if there's a different way that they could engage. Yeah, I love how you phrase that. You know, it's uh, not a doubt about the methods, but about themselves. I really think that's what it is. It's they're not coming at it attacking, going Lego's stupid, but I think there's a fear, um, a trepidation sometimes that of of being asked to be vulnerable. That I am going to have to put an idea out, and we do live in a society where we are judged all the time, whether we see it, acknowledge it, understand it or not. And so to create those learning spaces where just like you said we build and there isn't judgment and i know in education it's really important to when i work with with different classroom teachers and we'll do some of these different types of skill challenges to get the gears turning with the kids and kids are great but you know there is a competitive spirit going you know we we're not we do not judge or interpret any of the builds and that's going to be really, really hard for you. And a lot of times it's by that also means like, we're also not always giving, we're not, we can't be giving positive praise either. Yes. You have to remain neutral. So in education, it's not so much the, I say the negative or it's wrong or it's not right. It's working really hard to bite your tongue to not do the, uh, the flip side because they both kind of work against each other, you know, as much as you want to not, not, I'm not saying you don't give any sort of positive stuff but like that those judgment statements uh you know or those misinterpretations like oh i love how you built this and if it's we talk about it education and it's the same thing with lego series play if they had a different story in mind or a different interpretation of it especially with kids they they do want to please teachers now all of a sudden you've told them that it's wrong unintentionally 
and now they want that right answer, but there isn't a right answer. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a fascinating, it's really hard, I think, with the educator space to just not say things. Um, and just I look. think with facilitators, <laughs> sorry to cut you off. No, there, no, it's Aaron. great. Jump uh, in, jump in. But I think that that is the same. And I, I do see facilitators who do, they get very excited. I love that. That's so amazing. Um, you know, and then you get to the next person, you're like, oh, thank you, Marsha. <laughs> Any questions for Marsha? Okay, let's do on. And you know, I know I'm watching saying like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> she didn't think marshes is as good <laughs> um you know and that's a skill i think i will only speak for myself as both a coach and facilitator something that i constantly work on you know in the moment am i aware that i'm simply inquiring or acknowledging rather than you know judging or praising uh, to the extent that I'm now setting a new standard, uh, because you know, once once people see me say, "Oh, I love that," you know, they're thinking, "Did you not love mine?" Uh, so, uh, judging even positively, I think, can have a, a negative, an unintended right, consequence. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. No, this has been this has been so great. I could literally bombard you with questions here for another hour because every time I get a chance to speak with you I, I I learned so much but I do want to be respectful of your time because I know you're you're a very busy person and so what when we go to wrap up here I just want to make sure that you have an opportunity we've talked about a lot of things but I know we've talked a lot behind scenes and different things with that is there anything um, else that you want to share with the listeners that we didn't get to that you want to make sure you have an opportunity to to touch upon because I know we've we could go on for hours on lots of different topics, but I want to make sure that if there was something pressing or something we've talked about earlier that you want to expand on that you got that opportunity to do so. And if not, that's perfectly okay as well. Um, thank you for uh, inviting me to do that. And I'll try not to go on for another hour about it. I think I I do just want to reinforce that. The learning process is incomplete until we've actually done something, and I'm myself included. And you know, I see these habits in myself as well. Um, but uh, you know, unless or until we do something with the new information, or we um, actually put into practice the new mindset that we have, it, it, it is just an incomplete cycle. You've just maybe uh, taken on more information or you've just changed your mind. And those things are great, but I don't believe it is necessarily the learning that we are looking for or hoping for um, or attempting to achieve, right? As adults, we typically really want to learn something because we want to achieve something, right? We want a benefit of that learning and uh, putting it into practice is critical. And I appreciate it is the hardest part. Uh, even designing what those little steps are for ourselves are, um, you know, are, 
it's difficult and because I think also we see the you know go for it you know people want to give you words of encouragement and say well just get out there and just do something and uh, but really you know we need to to have the one step that is just going to start inching us closer and uh and then uh the patience with ourselves to to stay on the journey as opposed to um you know thinking yeah, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be the leader that I've aspired to be for the last decade. Um, so that's, I mean, I think that's just really hopefully tying a bow on all of these points that we've been throwing around. No, I love it. And I've got, yeah, so many notes here I've scribbled down so many insightful thoughts. And I, I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, I think is whether we're climbing a mountain or working through a, a cultural issue within an organization or trying to do some new learning, you've provided just some great things for us to consider about both with ourselves and with others and what we can do to be proactively just a little bit better. And like you said, take that, that learning from that inaction, incomplete save, moving it into action and doing something with it. You know, I often say it's just a matter of acknowledging where your point a is and where is your point b and do that for you if you just keep making those small increments it doesn't always have to be huge like you said we're not going to change overnight we're not going to get everybody in the pool in a two-hour workshop you know we might still be at the base of the mountain at the beginning but you know over time and through habits and working through those those steps we, we can definitely uh scale any challenge um that comes our way so this has been phenomenal I so appreciate your time. I know it's not always easy to find that time. And this has just been so thought provoking. You know, if people want to learn more about you and, and gain other insights from you and just follow your journey, you know, we'll get all this in the show notes, but where are some best places for people to uh, follow up and uh, bring your insights and, and value into their uh, networks? So LinkedIn is a great place to find me. So if you uh, just connect with me or uh, look for me, uh, I'm Mia Ng, M-I-A-E-N-G. Uh, certainly on uh, my website, cognizant.co, so C-O-G-N-A-S-C-E-N-T.co, which is a coined word for elevated thinking. Hopefully we can all do some uh, elevated thinking together. Uh, probably the two best places to find me. Perfect. Well, I appreciate it. I know the audience appreciates it. And I can't thank you enough for taking time to uh, chat with me today. Thank you, Aaron. It's been so great. I also learn a lot from you every time we have the opportunity to work together or talk. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. That's the whole whole beauty of uh, connecting with people. You Hopefully you, you give and take new learning. And uh, I know I've definitely learned a great deal from you. So we really appreciate it. Thank you. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs. Talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.